Hey guys, it's Braden here. I uh, just wanted to record a quick message before we head into today's episode and uh, just let you know about some of the changes that we've made recently to the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. Uh, I kicked off this show before I even knew it was a show back in February last year uh, when I invited my friend and mentor Keith Roy on to talk about the BC budget. And after doing one Facebook Live, not really thinking I'd ever do that again, uh, I, I got a lot of feedback. I got feedback from people that they said, you know, I appreciate having some uh, conversation around this topic. You know, it's been on my mind recently. Maybe I don't make it into my sales meeting. Haven't heard from my manager on it, etc. Uh, can you do that again? So uh, as the year went on, we knocked off a, a number of different topics. But the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again from my friends in the business is that, hey, it's great you're doing video. But listen, I'm a busy realtor. I don't have a lot of time to watch video, but I would certainly listen to it if it was on a podcast. And this is something that I kept hearing over and over again throughout the years. When is it going to be a podcast? When is it going to be a podcast? And I was stubbornly trying to force my video agenda and ultimately have now realized that if you're being a marketer, you need to be em empathetic to your audience. And if they're giving you feedback, especially if you hear it over and over again, you better start listening. <laughs> so here we are. We've now repurposed the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show to be a podio, uh, a podio, a podcast audio experience, also known as the kids call it a podio. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the new format, whether you're out for a jog, you're working out, you're driving from point A to point B, you know, whatever it is, uh, we're just here to bring value to you. And I'm really, really fired up about what we're going to be doing this year and uh, some of the speakers and, and topics we're going to be covering. So I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Kevin Cochran from Enriched Academy. We cover off some pretty essential stuff when it comes to financial literacy for realtors and for people in general. And uh, for those of you who don't know, know Kevin is uh, bringing the Enriched Academy Wealth Mastery Bootcamp into town in Victoria in February. We'll make sure that the uh, link for the event is in the show notes. So thank you very much. And I wish you guys nothing but crazy, wild, awesome success in 2019. Let's make it a great year. Helping realtors on Vancouver Island stay connected, current, and on the cutting edge. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. Here's your host, Braden Wheatcroft. Hey guys, I'm here today interviewing Kevin Cochran, who's the co-founder of A Rich Academy. Rich Academy is a company that is the quick and easy way for anyone to learn key concepts around saving and investing their money. They cater to everyone from the youth to seniors and everything in between. They work with schools, work with companies, families, and even with advisors and agents. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about is we're actually bringing Kevin in uh, and his team from Rich Academy to do a session for our agents here at Remax because they have uh, courses specifically designed to help realtors raise their level of financial literacy. Uh, Kevin is no stranger to the real estate industry himself. In fact, he originally started in the business working with Richard Robbins as one of their main speakers. Uh, he also was one of the co-founders in Dominion Lending Centers, a small little mortgage brokerage you may have heard of. And uh, it was now the co-founder with partner Jay Seabrook uh, at Enrich Academy. Uh, if you've heard of this company before, it's probably because you're a fan of the Dragon's Den. They were one of the largest recipients 
of Dragon's Funds uh, back in season seven when they had two dragons step up and invest in their business. And since then, they have uh, put out a number of different courses and products. So I'm really excited for the conversation I'm having with Kevin here today. And uh, hopefully you can pick up a few things that you can put to work for you right away in the new year. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the interview. I... um. I was doing a little bit of research uh, about Enrich Academy and then I started going down the internet rabbit hole and I, I didn't realize at the time that you have history with Richard Robbins. Yeah, well, Rich and I are, Rich is like a second father to me. Uh, oh. You know, I owe a lot of my success to him. Uh, when there, There's a perfect example. I was a mechanic. I was thinking about uh, getting out of being a mechanic because I sucked. I was kind of lost <laughs> two years after high school, didn't go to college or university and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought maybe get into real estate because I knew I was going to go commit to college or university. I just wasn't built that way. Yeah. And I picked up a, a Yellow Pages. I stole a Yellow Pages, actually. I ripped it out of a phone booth, and I started calling real estate agents, uh, cold calling them and, and going through the script saying, hey, my name's Kevin. I'm thinking about becoming a real estate agent. I don't have my license, but I'm willing to work for free for you for a month. And at the end of the month, you can hire me. I'll do whatever you want. Just give me a job. Give me a shot. And no word of a lie, it took me one week, took me 60 calls, uh, 59 people said no, I, I tracked and monitored all the calls. The only guy that called me back and was willing to meet with me was Rich, and he was just a name in a phone book. I had no idea who he was. No way, and so and, was this the time when he was actually a broker owner, not the Richard yeah. Robbins, the trainer, coaching guy? Exactly the time when that was. <laughs> Is that like Peterborough, Ontario or something like that? No, no, this was in Markham. So uh, he, he, he owned the, uh, the Remax, uh, or he, I know he had a, a Mincom, and then he was a Remax. He was still with Remax at the time, selling and listing before he sold the business to Les Bentix. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and then he met with me, and then he said, listen, I, I, I love you. He goes, I can't work with you every day, but why don't we come back and meet each other every two weeks? Let's yeah. read a book. And as soon as he said read a book, I was like, oh, no, this sucks. Like, yeah. this is, you know, because I was used to the stuff you read in high school. Yeah, and of course. I, read the book, Think and Grow Rich. So I went and bought it. And the first thing I looked for was pictures in the book. There was no pictures, mm-hmm. uh, just small words. Nowhere, nowhere I, to color. No, no pop-ups, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and uh, I actually started, I read it on the Friday. That's the day I met him. And I actually started reading it just to see what was going on. And I couldn't put the book down. And I called Rich on Monday. I, I had 25 pages worth of notes, went through the whole book on the weekend. I said, Rich, we got to meet. He goes, yeah, in two weeks. He says, no, we got to meet right now. And then we started meeting every week. He read The Richest Man in Babylon, who, yeah. you know, who was I when – all these books. And about five months later, he called me back. He said, hey, listen, he goes, I got a brand new uh, company I'm starting called Richard Robbins International. I need a vice president of sales. And in my mind, I'm like, holy shit, I you know, read three books and I'm the vice president of a company now. This is the best thing. And the, <laughs> these books are full of crap. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was all smoke and mirrors. It was just him and I. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, there was nothing. There was like – there was really nothing to the company. And uh, I remember my first year, I worked my ass off, made $17,000 working 80 hours a week. And uh, the company didn't make money near the day. Mm-hmm. Next year, I went to six. And by the time I was, tw- I met him at 21. By the time I was 25, I was making over a quarter million a year, right? And wow. uh, can't wow. thank him enough. So, yeah, Rich and I have a very, very strong, tight relationship. That's, that's amazing. And I think it's 20 years later, they just celebrated their 20 year anniversary. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, just dinner with Rich last week and talked about that, right? Yeah. And, it's uh yeah it's it's pretty cool man that guy you know i love that he's canadian i i love that he walks the talk he's 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 a solid dude yeah i um i don't know if you're aware of this but i've been working with rri as a coach now for three years uh 
that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's it's been like unbelievable the amount of uh, things I've learned, the connections I've made, the people I've met. It's 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 they've opened a lot of doors for me. So I'm very very appreciative of that. So that that was your very first sort of sales uh, gig way back. What what year was that? Like that would have been like 1998 ish. 98, 1999. Yeah, yeah, right around there. And so you yeah. did that for again how long? I was there for eight years. Eight so, years. Yeah, so about eight years. That's that's where we were. So. And then what was the next move? Well, funny enough, I again, you talk about when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I, I, I think six months on the road every year traveling for rich, right? Out in BC, Alberta, selling his events. And one day I, and I, and then I started having kids. And then I said to my wife, uh, I just, one day I got on a plane. My wife didn't even know. And I was flying to Vancouver. I said, you know, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to travel anymore. I had just made a decision in my head. I do not want to do this anymore. Yeah. And uh, I flew and then I did a talk the next day at a, at a real estate company in Vancouver, uh, in Coquitlam. <laughs> and I was telling my business partner, Jay, who I was on Dragon's Den with, cause he was at Rich Robbins too. And he was leaving too. And, uh, and Rich knew about it, it was all very, very well done. Anyways, Rich Jay was like, I wouldn't it be nice to make a residual income. I said, yeah, that'd be great. And I go, wouldn't it be nice not to travel? He goes, yeah, that'd be great. The next day I did a talk at a real estate company. The next day, 12 hours later, my wife didn't even know I was going to like leave the company. Uh, and I did a talk at a, a real estate company and, and the owner gets up in the middle of the talk and leaves. And then he comes back with this big, gigantic, huge guy who I had no idea. He's laughing oh, and walks in his, and for all I know, this guy's name is Gary Morris. Hmm. And Gary Morris is uh, the owner of this brand new startup called Dominion Lending Centers. And right. uh, the, sc- the scrappy little lending company, yes. tiny little thing. Oh, and I had no idea who it was. <laughs> And the first things he says to me, he goes, man, that's one of the best talks I've ever seen in my life. He goes, I need you to run all of our sales in Ontario. He said, do you like to travel? And uh, and that within the first two minutes of the conversation, you want to make a residual income. Mm-hmm. And my business partner, Jay, who does not believe in instant gratification, nor do I, but I was like, Jay, you won't believe it. I think I think we found our thing. <laughs> He's like, yeah. we talked about this 12 hours ago. I said, trust me, I think we found it. And uh, that's, that's really how it started. And then so went to Dominion Lending Centers. Spent a long time building that, and uh, we sold. We uh, did it for 12 years, and sold that company two years ago for 123 million. And there was four partners. Wow. Uh, Chris were two major shareholders. Jay and I were two minor shareholders, but yeah. it was one of those um, life-changing days. No kidding. So you and Jay have got some serious history. Like you guys worked together at Richard Robbins and through Dominion Lending. Yeah, he, and it probably works because he lives in Vancouver and I live in Toronto, so we, you know we don't have a ch- too much of a chance to hate each other. So, yeah. How did you guys uh, meet? We met at Rich Robbins. And, okay, uh, so just just through the organization. Yeah, one of Rich's good friends, Terry Windrum, introduced us to Jay, uh, and Jay. I was already at Rich for about a year and a half. Jay came in, and Jay and I, funny enough, no, never had ambitions of working together. We actually didn't even get not. We just didn't hang out that much. Yeah. He was. We're very very opposite. I'm animated. I'm, you know, let's get things done. Very simple thinking. And I'm a poor executor. And and Jay is the best executor, the most systems oriented person you'll ever meet. I mean, ask anybody. The guy is a rock star right that. And uh, so he uh, you know what him and I just realized at the very tail end of Rich Robbins that, hey, this is like perfect. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows us, they'll realize like, yeah, we're a really, really good partnership. It, it, like, I mean, we could not click better. Like it's we're buds and everything. So it, it's amazing to build something, uh, you know, such good chemistry with someone who lives on the other side of the country. 
like yeah. and to work through RRI and and you, what you did with Dominion and now co-found Enrich Academy. That's that's pretty special. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, as I said, it's uh, Jay and I. Uh, you, if we ever have fights, which we always do, it's never about <laughs> it's never about pay. It's never about you know rate or anything like that. It's always about how do we achieve our goal because we have we're so polar opposite. Right. Uh, and the funny thing is, the answer is always right in between of what him and I are trying to think. Right. But mind you, at mm-hmm. even at Enrich Academy, there's though we own it we there's no perception by anybody like arian is an example who you're going to meet mm-hmm. he runs the division he just lets us know what he's doing we kind of give our opinion but we don't want anybody thinking that anybody works for anybody and if you ask anybody in our company they'll they'll absolutely validate that right uh, we we don't micromanage anybody like, i a, hate micromanage. it's a great leadership style so I, i'm curious then when you were on the um the tail end of your time with dominion was Enrich Academy already on your radar or like where did that idea originate from? Yeah, well, about six years into Dominion Lending Center is when a thing really started humming and we had a lot of good people running it and doing a really good job with it. I approached Gary and Chris because Gary and Chris at Dominion are shareholders of this company as well. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're, Jay and I are majority shareholders. It's kind of like reversed. Yeah, right? no kidding. And Gary and Chris were just spectacular with it. They loved the idea. They saw financial literacy as we did. It's a huge issue in Canada, but really nobody – addressing it yeah and we said let's launch this thing and originally it was really built to be just an infomercial product and since then it's morphed to so like anything it's morphed to so much more yeah uh uh, it's really served dominion well it's served the mortgage industry well and and uh but yeah so we launched about five years ago and uh kind of Mm part-time-ish and then it's to something much 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 bigger so no kidding so what year was it originally founded uh we founded uh enrich academy five years ago maybe five. six yeah okay so like right around the time that you the whole dragon's den thing went down because that was 2013 yeah exactly that's exactly when it time goes by so quick my gosh yeah, yeah. uh that's exactly when it is uh we that was kind of a going on the show was a very very last minute thing but uh we we yeah so but sales were very good right off the bat for our company so we wanted to go in and talk about that as fast as we could well i definitely want to launch into the 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 financial literacy content uh but i I have to ask what the heck was it like to go on dragon's den well it was very nerve-wracking like to (laughs) to even get on the show i i you know to even get on the show it was that was even nerve-wracking right because you know, you have to audition in front of the producers, and and this was at the peak of the show when everything was really, you know, everybody wanted to get on the show. So we knew we had to really separate ourselves from the competition, and so we auditioned. Jay flew to Toronto. We auditioned just north of Toronto, and I mean, but Jay and I spent two days in a basement role playing. Like we had five phones representing each of the judges because we knew we had a DVD series, which yeah. That's how we sold the product. We knew they were going to hack on that, so we were able to object have objection handlers for all of that stuff. Anyways, uh, we went and auditioned, and right there, the the producer's like, that's one of the best auditions we've had. You were so good. We're going to let you know right now you're probably not going to make the show. And we're like, what? what? Why? <laughs> and, uh, How do those two things work? You were the, one of the best pitches, and you're not on the show. Uh, the the reason why, and it was the only thing I didn't have an objection because I, I couldn't – we didn't think of this one, was uh, they're like, how are we going to show TV on TV? It's, it's a DVD series. How are we going to show that on TV? And I was like, I don't know. And that was the oh. only thing. So we're driving back to my place, and Jay was supposed to stay for another week. And uh, I said, Jay, we can't. I said, I know we got to be on this show. And we pulled over on the 401. I said, Jay, I said, let's find out where they are tomorrow. Let's audition tomorrow. 
again because they're open audition. And we found out they're auditioning in Abbotsford, BC. And I was like, wow. So literally, I mean, no joke. We just went right to the airport, didn't even go home, uh, bought tickets, flew across the country, auditioned in front of the producers the next day. Uh, again, because the, the, they're always their heads are down and they're typing on their computer. Wow. They walk in and they look up. They're like, what are you guys doing here? I go, $3,000 on flights, 12 hours on planes to spend three minutes with you. I said, allow us to be on the show. The dragons will love us. And then they're like, that is incredible. Nobody's ever done anything like that. You're in. And wow. that, that was, so that's how we got on the show. Cause that was a bit of a hike, but once you're on the show, it's not what you think it is. Cause you, when you watch the show, you, you think the music and then you have Diane, you know, rep talking about your name when you, you see why yeah. it's not, it's very quiet. You hear your footsteps going on the, on the ground and they're just five sitting there and you're like, you ne- you don't meet them before. And it's about seven thirty in the morning. You know, that's when they start filming and we were the third pitch on the first day. And I'm like, Hey dragons. And nobody said anything. And uh, they went out there and they just drill you, man. They drill you there for 45 minutes. Uh, wow. And, and I, you know, I, I, Jay and I walked out. I was like, I don't even know what just happened. But we did a deal. <laughs> Dragon's been on it. It was a great experience, man. Like, it was just one of those things that, you know, you have to be prepared. I, I think the Dragons expect everybody to be a little nervous and yeah. out of their element. And so they just go based on their care. People, I think they, they can see through people. They've seen enough of life to know mm-hmm. who are and bad mm-hmm. and and that's why we had a bidding war and and you know what we're proud to say we're jim treliving's number one deal he's ever done on the show now and for bruce crocks and one of the top deals he's ever done either too so we're pretty excited wow wow that's that's fantastic what an incredible experience i, I do enjoy watching the show um and I, I, when i was doing a little bit of googling I, I found it pretty hilarious you guys came up with another product shortly thereafter called the dragon bank yeah, the Dragon Bank did spectacularly well right off the bat. It's yeah. one of those things actually restructuring right now. But it was, I hate pigs and banks. I think pigs and money represent, it's, you know, certain religions don't even eat pig, let alone put money into it. And I said, let's reinvent this thing. Yeah. So dragons protect, you know, how to save your, how to train your dragon, all these movies of dragons and dragons. Yeah. So I said, we're on to show Dragon's Den. I said, so, well, let's create a baby dragon sitting on three dens, save and give. And it uh, comes with an app, tracks all the kids' savings online, and that did really, really well. We got on an update show because of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that that we're restructuring that right now for uh, an online uh, – it's actually it's pretty cool. It's like an online bank account for kids. So because hmm. it captures slowly – like, again, just like anything, you have to – you know, evolve your product. And, and the totally. thing is, uh, everything's cashless now. So we have to do the same thing with our product. But again, we're really excited that that's one of our pretty, pretty exciting things. Actually, we're pretty jacked about that. Yeah, so. you've got you've got the one two punch, you've got your uh, IP for your Enrich Academy, you know, the programs you roll out, and then you've actually got a physical product to sell. That's that's good diversification, one business. Well, yeah, and you know what? Even we have our teen version of the product, and you know we sold about fifteen thousand units of that. That was the show stuff. We, the program we went on the show Dragons Den with, and uh, the problem was, we knew that a large percentage weren't going to get watched, right? Because parents yeah. were telling us, "Lots of product, couldn't get my kid to watch it." But if you listen to your audience, your audience always gives your answer to your problem. Because mm. you know we'd go somewhere, sell it, and then oh, I, 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 how am I going to get my kid to watch it? And then you'll have some parent coming in who bought it a year ago. Oh, my kid loved this thing. How'd you get him to watch it? I paid him to watch it. And I'm like, and then you hear it enough. You're like, well, that's a good idea. So we're relaunching that product next month. Wow. Cause we just filmed it. And so what we're doing is we're selling for 200, like we did before, 
But what we're doing is once the kid watches it online, there's no DVDs, everything's online, of course. Uh, they have to take a test once they get 70%, and they can take this over and over again uh, to prove that they watched it. Uh, we're sending a check to the kid for $100 for watching it. So wow. we're paying them 30 watch it so we tested this and it's tested through the roof like wow a kid dropouts at every kid wants a 100 bucks right yeah and watch something and then the best part of it is most kids want to save the money after they're done yeah so yeah. that is tested spectacular wow so. what a what a cool hack that's that's interesting it reminds me of you know when a new agent joins a brokerage you know there's always like hey we, we'd love to run them through uh richard robbins program right off the get just to build their baseline right but sometimes you know the the idea of paying four hundred dollars for uh, a program when you're brand new on the business you're like ah you know so many expenses they can't justify it so uh one of the broker owners i know at a calgary they've they've got a great program where the agent pays up front and if they finish the program then they get paid back by the brokerage and they've seen you know all of a sudden uptake on it to be quite quite dramatically higher so that's that's awesome yeah, it's smart i yeah. love that idea now, before we hit record, I was telling you that the timing of our conversation is is fascinating because uh, I personally and my, my spouse have made finances uh, our number one um, priority this year. It's, you know, you, you uh, going through the Richard Robbins program, they send you to a CTI uh, coaching training institute and you learn about this wheel of life. And on the wheel, there's finances and your career and your hobbies and your friends and all that. And really, it's it's you can't focus on all of it at the same time. You kind of have to whack one at a time. And uh, so for me, I've been focusing on my career for two or three years now and kind of had other things on the back burner. Uh, I've now gotten to a point where I feel like I'm, I'm in a good place in my career. I've got a lot of momentum behind me. Um, and now it's time to focus on finances. So I'm, I'm absolutely pumped to take your course. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading a lot of books right now. A couple of them you've already mentioned. Uh, but I'm just curious, like looking online, a lot of your program is is uh, tailored to kids and to universities, uh, but you're also coming to Victoria to do a session for realtors. Can you like, connect the dots for me a little bit on how you know you've taken the program and actually made it um, specific enough to, that would actually interest realtors? Yeah. So uh, thanks for bringing that up. So originally, what Enrich Academy was was a program for teens and young adults. I, there's no secret behind that. That it's always been a passion of ours to educate the younger, right, the yeah. younger group. But you know, about four years ago, something became very clear. The reason why most kids can't save money. I don't know. Do you realize why do you think most kids can't save money? There's one reason why. Well, I'm reading the secrets of the millionaire mind right now, and based on what I've learned, it would be because our parents can't save money. That's the problem, right? Yeah. So you realize we're such a bigger market than just kids, right? Yeah. And so about four years ago, Arian and I and Todd, when we were a smaller company, we realized we have to build a program for adults because it's clear that they it, – because it's not just even – you know, financial literacy, uh, for lack of better words, not just for people that are broke, right? Yeah. You're going to realize there's three groups of people in your room and in, in any audience that we talk to. There's there's a group that's in, in debt, Right. There's some that are paycheck to paycheck, and there's some that are saving money, and they have no idea what their money is doing. Like, not a clue, yeah. right? And I was one of those people, too. Like, you know, you, you get out of debt, you start saving money, you don't know what your money's doing. Yeah. So we started these real estate boot camps, and they did really, really well. Like, actually, excuse me, that's kind of correct. It, we had decent uptake, but we had, like, our original events maybe had 25, 30 people, right? Yeah. Uh, now we have hundreds. Like, we just did two in Toronto, and we had 400 at each event, right? Yeah. They were huge. And and uh, and we're very very proud of that because 
we realize our adult content is actually represents a larger uh, audience product than our kids product now, right? right? Our kids program represents about 25% of our business, 75% of our business is for adults, right? So, mm. uh, you know, you just realize and you look at the marketplace right now, uh, we knew that we had to create this education, uh, especially for real estate agents, working with real estate agents for eight years. One thing I realized in your business, there's a, an immense amount of sales training mm. and I, it's all great. Like as a Rich Robbins, Mike Curry, Tom Ferry, you know, Chris Leader, go on and on and on. They're all great. And mm-hmm. take them, you should till till you till you retire, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and take all of it. Uh, but the one thing that I found all those courses didn't do was really focus on something that I felt was equally important, not more important than sales training, but equally important mm-hmm. was money. <clears throat> because I go to all these real estate, and I know you're going to be able to relate to this. I'd walk into a real estate company and you'd see a real estate dollars. And they had a higher net worth than another real estate agent making half a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like, how's that making a hundred thousand dollars worth more than those that are worth half a million? Or you'd have top producing real estate agents wanting to go to a Richard Robbins event. I mean, top 20, 30 in your company, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the huge. And they couldn't pay for a ticket by a credit card. We'd go to, the, they'd show up to the Richard Robbins event with cash. Mm-hmm. It's like we're drug deal. Like, okay, here's the cash. Here's the ticket. Here you go. <laughs> like, I mean, there you go. These, these are agents with you're, like hitting. Well, you're, you're, it's, it is like a drug deal because you're dealing dopamine. At the yeah, ex- exactly. Like, totally. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, love those beach balls. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is that it's crazy because uh, you're like you're making you're making you you're making a million in commissions, and you, your credit card is declining, mm-hmm. or you have real estate agents living on commission advance, or you have real estate agents, uh, you know, a year behind on their taxes, mm-hmm. or you have uh, you know real estate agents that are saving money and they have no idea what their money is doing. Like, I mean, their MERs are through the roof and they, they don't know what any of this stuff means. And I said, this is crazy because I, I, I remember I was at a real estate office in, in Richmond Hill and the, the owner's like, I have this, this lady, she's 75. She's made millions and millions. She'll work to the day she dies. She's got no money. Hmm. And I sat there and I go, how is none of these companies focusing on this when it's, it's such a massive, and this isn't just represented. Uh, rep, this doesn't represent just a real estate company, real estate industry. I mean, police, sports, athletes—they make millions. You can go on and on and on and on. Yeah. Nobody's teaching this stuff, and so we sat there and we said, obviously, there's a massive market here. Just like Rich Robbins came into the market, realizing there was really no Canadian doing what he does. Uh, there's tons of guys from the states, like Buffini and Mike Ferry and stuff yeah. like that. Like, why don't we become the company in Canada that does this? And and how we started focusing on real estate agents because I knew the market really well. And I knew it was untapped, and I knew there was a huge need. So I thought that would have been a perfect fit. And that's why the real estate offices love it. I mean, they love the event. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you feel this or not, but, you know, even just um, in the planning I was doing uh, leading up to the event that we're going to be hosting together in three weeks from now, which we'll talk a little bit later about, um, it, you kind of get some pushback or some apprehension. Like, if I was to say, let's do a video boot camp, I'd have a yeah. wait list. When you say, let's yeah. talk about your finances, people, a lot of people kind of want to do it, but there's a bit of a stigma. Like, can you tell me about your experience with that? Like, how do you break down the stigma? How do we make talking about finances, uh, you know, fun, but also make it a priority? Like, what has your experience been with that? Because I'm sure you felt that as well. Well, I think the sweet spot we have and and the, the secret sauce to what we teach, just no different than whether it's Richard Robbins or Ryan Buffini or mm-hmm. any of the companies. You're not going in there and seeing a ton of stuff you've never seen before, right? Yeah. Some of some of it is, right? It's like, okay, I've heard this, and it it gets pushed to the top of priority. Like, oh, I got to do this again. 
the one thing that we do is we when people come to our programs they're like oh my gosh these guys do not seem that smart i'm a high school dropout right mm -hmm. like and you know was able to retire by 39 mm -hmm. and people go like this guy's not that smart and i like that because <laughs> you know we don't the challenge with financial literacy too many people come in with this hierarchy kind of like hey i'm a banker i've been yeah. ivy League graduate and people feel very defensive to that right mm -hmm. or you talk their head or they feel like they're the only one in debt or the only one investing in not properly but when you realize hey you're not alone man and like yeah. tons of people are doing this they open up a lot better well let, let's break that down as, as best we can so if we had if we're talking to a room of 100 realtors you know yeah. just anyone off the street 100 realtors in your experience like where where does the room break down in terms of like how many of those realtors do you think are carrying debt how many of them do you think you know have a strong healthy financial you know net worth or balance sheet like what, what's what's a room of 100 realtors look like from your experience yeah so i would say that at least six out of them out of the 10 are living paycheck to paycheck or falling behind every month like there's yeah. no question on that uh, and I, even those ones, I do believe probably they have maybe five to $20,000 worth of savings in some account somewhere, mm -hmm. but most of them are, are paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and I, I can always tell because I'll walk into a room. One of my favorite questions to ask, I'm like, if your income was to stop today, if you had no more money coming in as of right now, how long could you keep living the way you do? Most people yeah. look at their watch. I get three thirty. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I buy, so I buy Starbucks typically at three thirty, and I would mm -hmm. need my $5 to buy Starbucks. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I was about 30 percent uh, are, you know, are keeping their head above water and saving money. And, and the challenge of that out of that 30 percent, let's say six out of 10 are paycheck to paycheck or falling behind 40 percent. Sorry, would be saving money. But out of the 40 percent, 70 percent of them are doing it properly. So do you see like when when you see people who are struggling with their finances, they say living hand to mouth or paycheck to paycheck um, versus the agents who have, uh, you know, forced savings, they've got a plan, they pay themselves first or that. Like, do you see a halo effect in other areas of their business? Like, I'm wondering if an agent who's struggling financially is is also not as successful on the sales side of the ledger, you know, the revenue. Maybe they're not taking care of their health. Maybe they're, you know, they don't explore their hobbies, interests. I'm just wondering how much of an effect having a strong financial um, background has in the other areas of their life. It's massive, right? So, you know, 47% of divorces are caused by stress due to marriage, right? Uh, money, uh, excuse me, stress due to money. Stress, stress due to marriage is just normal. Yeah, it is. It's that's a problem. But the money, well, it, it's just you. Why, like, just to give you an idea, it's why the police uh, right across the country who signed every contract, you can or like tons of them right across the country with police forces. The divorce rate with police forces in Calgary is eighty-seven percent. It's huge, right? Oh, that's and money, terrible. Oh, and, well, it's a stressful job. I, I yeah. feel for these officers so much, right? And uh, and I really, really do. And the challenges is that money causes a lot of stress. Like you're trying to provide for your family, you know, it never ends bills. Even when you pay your house off, bills still come in. Uh, or you look at stress due to illness, it, cause, it, cause, it breaks down your immune system and, and it, it goes on and on and on. But the one thing that, you know, Rich taught me, especially like having money in the bank is one of the best tools a real estate agent could ever have. Like Rich taught me this. Because when I worked with Rich, like like when I first started, I was in debt. Like my credit was so bad, stole my identity, my credit rating got better. Like, your credit was so bad, your mama wouldn't owe you money. Isn't that the line? Yeah, my mom. Well, I I, I, I could tell you a story when I meet you when for dinner on my mom's credit card. Had fun, client, but uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, one of the best tools you can have as a real estate agent is money in the bank. Yeah. And uh, 
You know what I mean? Your customers know when you need to make money. You can try to yeah. hide it all you want, but like, it's called commission breath. They can smell it off you, right? Well, you know, it's it's not a. Sometimes I get a little pushback when I say this, but I I I believe it to be true. Is that um, you know, when as minute you have a real estate license, you're in an inherent conflict of interest because even though we have a fiduciary responsibility, you know, we're governed by the Real Estate Services Act, which I absolutely love. I love putting my clients' interests ahead of my own. I'll sign up for that all day long, and yet our compensation, we're paid like salespeople. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, the moment you have a license, you're inherently in a, in a, in a conflict, at least an internal conflict. And it, it is challenging. Like, I, I don't know how we could change this, but I wish that the industry would put uh, a little more emphasis on people having a, a nest egg before they get into the industry. Because I think what's dangerous for, for consumers and for our industry is a realtor who needs a paycheck. And thankfully, there are a lot of amazing realtors out there who are able to still compartmentalize that, that, that pressure. Um, but it's real. And I felt it. I, I was 20 when I got in the business. It was 2009. It was the recession. I mean, the first couple of years, um, it, it, it was tough. And I had very, very poor financial uh, systems in place. So I was spending more than I was making. And uh, yeah, I remember being asked by clients like, hey, we kind of like this house. What do you think, Mr. Realtor? And you're like, I could really use a sale, but I'm going to check that. And I'm going to say, you know what? I think we can do better and here's why. And, and you know, you go on and help them. But it, the amount of pressure we have from that is, is, is huge. I, you, you, I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you just said is 100%. And the attitude that you took towards it explains the longevity you've had in the industry, right? The majority of in, real estate agents don't make it in the industry. I think we, that's no yeah. secret, right? And the fact that you've made it to where you are and the success you've had is because of that mentality. And But unfortunately, it's difficult it is. when it's put food on my table. Well, and I didn't have kids and I wasn't married, right? So like I, I could live off ramen noodles and, you know, sl rent a room. But, you know, I have a lot of empathy for people who get into it, have a couple kids and, you know, it's 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 a challenge. Well, it, it's starting a business and like anything, yeah. I don't care if anybody's lying to you. Like Dominion Lending Centers, I made nothing for three years and Rich Academy, I made nothing for three years. You know, yeah. real you don't make a lot, right? Like you make money, but the expenses are so darn high. Yeah. But it, but when you, once you make it, you're happy what that the journey was that hard because totally. the, yeah anyway yeah. yeah so let's let's shift then to um, you know the, we've got a, a great session coming up uh, and you're going to talk about the or Arian's going to be talking about in this particular one in, in a few weeks here about the eight factors to master your finances. Could you maybe run us through uh, some of those? And I know we don't want to spoil um, the session itself, but if you could give us a little bit of value on each point, I would appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, I'm going to go off the top of my head of what the eight sessions are because Aaron, just to let you know, anybody watching this, uh, one thing that I really appreciated what Rich taught me was anytime you go into a real estate company and you do a pitch to sell Richard Robbins tickets, like, you know, people walk out of there, whether they got involved or not, uh, whether they get involved or not, they're going to get a ton of value, right? Yeah. The Rich Robbins and I were talking about that way. That was yeah. the, the beacon of everything we did. Because we want people going back, telling their owners and managers how amazing it was. And it, it, honestly, even for you, uh, yeah. right? You're allowing us to get in front of your group. This is putting your reputation on the line. And so we want to make sure anybody we bring in is spectacular. Arian's going to rock the show. Whether people get involved or not, it won't matter. They're going to come out laughing. That's <laughs> a key. Aimed. Uh, but on top of that, with education. So that's the first thing I just kind of want to let that go because that'd be my concern if I'm a viewer. Like, I'm going to give an hour of my time. I drop my kids off early to make this thing. Is it going to be worth my time? And I can assure you, I guarantee you will. Uh, right off the bat, uh, you know, what we're going to be focusing on is 
you know, it's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make. Because the challenge mm-hmm. is most real estate agents we meet are not in debt because of what they make. Not all of them, but the majority are yeah. not in debt because of what they make. They're in debt because of what they spend. Yeah. And that's the problem. You yeah. got a spending issue. But the problem is they're going to go, you know what? I, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make more money next year. And 2019, I'm in debt because of 2018. You know what my plan is? 2019, I'm going to go make more money. Well, that's not going to solve your problem. Right? It's the bane of, of realtors' existence when we refer to um, big ticket purchases in terms of deals, right? Like, well, you often hear this, you know, around the water cooler at a brokerage, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to go, on, it's just another deal. We're going to go on vacation. It's just one more deal. But we don't realize the cost of acquisition of that client, the amount of energy that, and resources that goes into developing the client from a prospect to a lead to a client, uh, you know, managing the transaction, like to basically, arbitrarily just say, you know what, it's just a deal, yeah. is bananas. <laughs> it, it's 100% just bananas because, yeah. and, and until you get that myth out of your head, yeah. because the best analogy I give, imagine you're making $100,000, but you can't manage it. And you're like, well, give me 250, that will that will solve all my money problems. It's like, imagine you're at the gym and you're trying to lift 100 pounds, but you can't. You're like, yeah. I can't. Give me 250 pounds, I can do that. If you can't lift 100 pounds, you can't lift 250. If you can't manage yeah. 100, I guarantee you can't manage 250. Like people my whole life have said, you know, how have you, how did you leave Richard Robbins? You had two kids, a wife, non-working wife, mortgage, mm. two cars. You leave Richard Robbins making a quarter million, start with Dominion, make nothing for four years, right? And the reason why I've been able to do that, I always live beneath my means. Right. Even when Dominion Center sold, people were like, oh my gosh, you got millions of dollars because of that sale. Like, what did you, kind of house do you buy? Yeah. I live in the same house today that I bought 10 years ago for 450,000 bucks. My house isn't any bigger, Yeah. right? And because... And that's what you try to get through to real estate agents saying, hey, listen, it's, you're, if you're in debt, if you're in this room, because we have to address that, first of all, you're not alone, but you're not in debt because of what you make. You're in debt because of what you spend. That, that's, so that's the first one. Yeah, we, we are a, uh, we, you know, realtors as an industry, I think we are very, very we over-index in our ability to earn revenue based on yeah. our average, you know, college education, which for most realtors, myself included, doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so we're very, very good at earning, uh, but as you say, we're very much, we struggle with the management side of it. Well, you see see the correlation towards the amount of sales training you have and no financial literacy training. There's the problem. Yeah. No kidding. And, and so I want to just, before we go to the next point here and I did pull them up so we can, we can go through the eight points together now. Um, you, what, what resonates with me with your message there is it's, it's not the money you make, it's the system or lack thereof. That really is it. Right. And sometimes you hear, um, you know, if you listen, I was just listening to a Brian Buffini podcast about budgeting and they said like, you know, they talk about the 70, 10, 10, 10, you know, live off 70 of your income, invest 10%, save 10% and, and, um, give away 10% through charity and whatnot. And he said, well, when I started, it was actually 97, one, one, one. It's more getting the system in place than it is the actual numbers flowing through the system that matters. Is that fair to say? It is. It's missing that that formula is missing a very very critical component, which is taxes, right? Unfortunately, we got to pay them. Do we right? have to so, pay taxes in Canada? You do. You know, they tend to like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and it, that tends to be again a real real sore spot for real estate agents, right? They yeah. they tend to, uh, you know, I always joke in front of the audience. I'm like, just so you know, being a year behind, paying 2017 taxes this year coming up is not normal, right? Yeah. And everybody starts laughing because three quarters or a third of the room is probably doing that. Right. But, yeah. uh, but I, it, just to go back to the overspending, just so you know, I find two points and I don't think Ariane will go through it. Maybe will, but, uh, is that the two biggest challenge, I think real estate agents, in my experience, they over car and they yeah. over house. Right. Right. And, 
you know, I'll see a real estate agent like, oh, I want to take my business to the next level. I want to get that assistant. I want to do all of this stuff, but I can't afford it. I just don't have in the budget. And but they're yeah. driving a 2025 BMW supercharged, you know, something. Okay. Right? Well, we're gonna stop right there and and drill down deeper on this because I get asked this question at nauseum. What is the right car? Should I go out and get the brand new Mercedes? Do I just drive my rust bucket that I've owned as a mechanic for years and now I'm a realtor? Somewhere in between, like what do you say to that? I guarantee I tell you what to say. Just so number one, and I promise you one of the biggest challenges real estate agents have is they flip. I, I tell real estate, agents, do you really realize that you can keep a car for more than four years? I read it in a book. I can't believe you can keep a car for more than four years. And yeah. the problem is, is that we, in our program, we're going to go through, is it better to buy a brand new car? 0% financing better to lease a car. Uh, or better to uh, buy a used car, right? Mm -hmm. And we go through all the stats and we go through with a write-off, assuming you don't go over kilometers, we do all that. And guess guess which car always ends up on top, the used. Like we, we went to five different accounts. So we're going to go through this in the program, right? Yeah. And uh, But again, you take a look at it, a used car always ends up on top because you the, the car loses 30% of its value in the first year, 20 yeah. to 30%, right? Yeah. There's no write-off that equals that amount of savings, right? Mm -hmm. And you can still write that used car off. It's not as aggressive, but you mm -hmm. still can. But the most savings you can get is by keeping that car for five years after you've paid it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, again, people go, what kind of car do you drive now that Dominion's old? I have my 2010 Ford F-150 pickup, 190,000 kilometers. And people go, but then this is the typical real estate agent response, and most people anyway, is that they, well, I have to show up in something. I can't just show up because my customers need to, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like Sam Walton built, you know, Walmart, Sam Walton, right? Uh, yeah. Built Walmart pickup truck. I just built $123 million with other people, not just myself build this huge company in cross Canada in a 2010 you're putting that in your own head mm -hmm. I promise mm -hmm. because here's the problem and think about this it's really critical this is why real estate imagine this every four years you're buying a brand new car and you're let's say putting $700 a month into this car payment right mm -hmm. a depreciating asset right over and over and over never goes away $700 a month $700 a month so, oh now I'm done paying for it let's get a new one $700 a month $700 a month imagine no car payments like mm -hmm. that's an awesome feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why I'm protecting. I can buy any car I want. But I'm like, I like, I'd rather put that $700 a month. I was paying off my pickup truck with mm -hmm. and buy something growing in value. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a common mistake. I know so simple, but so many real, we had a real estate agent attend our event during, after we did the car section, she, te he texted his wife saying best event ever. Oh my gosh, by the way, we're not buying the Tesla. And his <laughs> wife responded saying, leave the event now. Like, it would be, <laughs> We don't get it, but we want these cars, yeah. but we don't realize they're depreciating assets that we're constantly throwing money at, right? So, yeah. And they have yeah. mortgage too. Okay, well, I want to ask you then, if you were consulting me, so let's let's maybe walk through those, those scenarios. Um, you know, if I was an agent who came to you four or five years in the business, I've, I've got, you know, consumer debt, I've got some credit cards, I've got that car payment, like, what are the basics? How do, how do I start getting a grasp on my finances what's the first step okay. so the to be clear and it's important that all your listeners are understand this we don't sell any financial product that's why the cfl we're very close with signing a deal with another national sports league yeah. a huge one uh they love it because we were we we do not have we're not trying to give you education to lead you down a path to buy this etf or credit card or line sure. of credit or anything 
All right. And while we're doing all the uh, the caveats and disclosures and fine print stuff, we'll also just say that uh, we're, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I don't believe you're either. So uh, obviously, you know, I, while I built my real estate career, I had a real estate accountant. I had a financial advisor. My mortgage broker and I became very close. And, and also he gave me really good financial advice from a lending perspective. So if you don't have a team of advisors, probably good to... Yeah. to uh, to get a team put together, but from your perspective, at least, let's let's want, rewind back to that question. What's the first step? Absolutely, and just to let your listeners know, seventy percent of financial advisors in Canada are salespeople, right? It's the process to become a financial advisor is like next to nothing, right? Yeah. And so, even if you have one, you got to make sure they're good. But yeah. uh, if I am looking at, and I've worked with a lot of athletes one on one, what I do is I figure out number one is where are you right now. Right. If you ask most people what their net worth is, most people don't know the answer. Like within five thousand bucks, I can tell you mine because I track it every month. Mm. And most people don't know. They're like, "Well, I think I'm worth about this." No, let's take all your assets, all your liabilities, and you, and what do you what are you worth right now? Right. Yeah, I, I struggle with that because I'm not a, a super detail oriented person. But I, you know, I need to take my own medicine. And I, when I'm coaching a realtor, if I hear someone say, like, if I ask, "Where are you at year to date?" and they'll say, "I'm about," like as soon as someone says "about." you, you kind of know they're not really tracking it too closely. Yeah. So um, it's about having, uh, in your case, you have a monthly awareness. It's not a daily ticker of your net worth. You you track it on a monthly basis. I do. And at our program, we're going to give you our net worth trackers. It's absolutely free. It's built, well, built into the program cost, so you don't have to pay for it. And uh, But yeah, I track my net worth. It's very simple. It's five minutes a month. And at the end of the year, I do a full like update on all my mortgages and mm -hmm. stuff like that because I don't, I don't update my value my home every month or my mortgage yeah. buy down every six months but yeah i track and monitor my uh, net worth on a monthly by month basis and and every month i actually track it uh on another tab what my net worth has grown i've been doing since 2010 it's spectacular to see the journey right like it, take, yeah. it takes it takes forever but so first uh, step is know where you are yeah, well, because how, imagine like you look at a GPS. GPS doesn't work unless it knows where you start with, right? It can't <laughs> give you the direction where to go. Yeah. So the problem is most people are like, oh, I want to do this and this and this. What do I do? And I'm like, well, what are you worth now? I don't know. Well, I can't like the roadmap to getting where you want to go. Let's just say if you want to drive to Vancouver and you're starting from Toronto uh, or driving from Chicago or driving from L.A., those roadmaps are all different. I got to know where your starting point is, mm -hmm. right? Then the next question is where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And so what do you want to be worth by what date and what kind of return do you want to get? So like, let's just say I want to get, I want to have a net worth of a million dollars at a 6% return. That's $60,000 a year coming in, right? When I retire by 65, I'm just throwing numbers yeah. out. We got to build that plan. So where you are now and where do you want to go, right? So right. you want a million dollars at a 6% return. You want $60,000. Okay. So where are you? So now we can start building a map, fill in the gaps between now and then and see if it's achievable right because mm -hmm. some people they just realize it's not achievable right yeah. like so we have to adjust the goalpost because they're starting at 55 with nothing well right? and and there is that uh you know often I, I call it the holy shit moment you know when you actually sit down and you figure out where you are and then you you know you have this idea in your head we're good at dreaming you're like oh i want to have you know a, a million bucks in the bank and 60 grand and then you realize the the delta between where you are and where you want to be in your timeline and you're like oh okay that's good all i have to do is save nine thousand dollars a month and i'll be there in 10 years and it's like it's a little sobering but that's often where changes in your behavior come into play well, it is, and you're going to find out the answer to that problem anyways sooner or later, so find out sooner than later, right? Because, yeah. you know, you might as well find out because 
at least you can readjust the goalposts. Everybody deserves to retire and not work one day if they if they choose that. Yeah. But it's just about – and so I don't want anybody thinking, well, I'm 55 starting off with nothing because we hear that all the time. Real estate agents are like, I'm 55. I got nothing. Is, am I a hopeless cause? No. But the goalposts just move a little bit from what they would have been at 40 or 35, right? And so that that's the first thing. So where you are, where you want to go, though, that's the first thing I want to know. Yeah. Uh, and then what you do is I would take a look at all your debt and prioritize your debt, right? So because I got to understand, okay, so if you have credit card debt at 19%, because real estate agents ask us all the time, I got credit card debt at 19% or should I start saving? Should I pay off my credit card? Well, it's very easy. You should pay off your credit card debt, right? Because yeah. there's no point to and get a 6% return when you're paying 19% interest. So I'm going to know all your debt. Uh, and then what I, then I got to do, so then we got to build a plan because we have something called our debt crusher. We add in all your debt into our program. We don't collect any of the data. It's actually on your own portal when you sign yeah. up to our coaching. Uh, and then what it'll do, it'll add all your debt, all your interest, and it'll tell you the month and year you'll be debt free. So we're going to, okay, so you're debt free January, 2027. If we readjust the payments by this, so we readjust the payments, it'll actually break down and tell you. So let's say if you want to change a date from January, 2027 to January, 2023 it'll yeah. readjust all your payments to save five years worth of interest right so prioritize your debt then what we would do is take a look at your all your investments mm -hmm. and see how they're performing one and number two see what you're paying on your investments right because canada has the highest mers in the world in the world and I know in your uh, marketing, you said if you don't uh, know what an mer is, you probably should come to this course. So um, I didn't know what an mer was, <laughs> so I looked it up. Uh, so for for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what an mer is is just the, the industry's financial service industry's way of confusing things to think that you shouldn't really understand any of. It means management expense ratio. In other words, mm -hmm. it means commission. Your world, you call it commission. Yeah. Their world, they call it MERs, MERS, right? And mm. just so you know, Canada has the highest MERs in the world, in the world. And here's what you have to realize is that, and this is why I want people to really understand what I'm about to say here, because people come to our program and I mean, they're in, they're in tears because they think they've been doing everything right for 15 years and they don't realize like, oh, holy cow, I haven't. If you have $50,000 saved, okay, imagine this. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question. Imagine you have 50000 saved. Mm -hmm. And you invest with an advisor, and they put it into mutual funds because it's not just the advisor taking all the money; it's the advisor, the brokerage, it's the mutual funds. Okay, it's, uh, and let's say if your MER is two, which is under our national average, our M average MER in Canada is two point three five percent. So people go, "Well, that's not bad. I'm making ninety seven and a half." No, the math does not work that way. Remember, uh, Albert Einstein said it best: "Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world." Those that understand it earn it; those that don't pay it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand MERs, you're paying, you know, compound interest because here's the deal uh, is at 2.35. Here's the, uh, sorry. Let's say you have $50,000 invested uh, at a 6% return over 25 years. Yeah. You're uh, that 50,000 return to 217,000. Mm -hmm. If your MER is two, which is under a national average of 2.35, how much do you think is eaten up in fees between Mutual funds uh, at two percent. You start off fifty, you end up with two hundred seventeen thousand over twenty five years at a six percent return. How much do you think is eaten up in fees? And so I, I go to so that's that's calculated monthly and it's compounded over the entire term. Yeah, what do you think? I'm gonna say a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. That's exactly the number, a hundred. Yeah. They make more money than you do, right? And this this is a tr this is what you have to understand. This is a trillion dollar business in Canada. Yeah, a trillion dollar business. And it's the problem people go with mutual funds are good. I'm not saying they're all bad or all good. I, again, yeah. it's not my. I'm not trying to sell you my mutual funds. Just yeah. I, my point is this: 
when your MERs are so high, all the profit is eaten up in the mm -hmm. fees, mm -hmm. right? And problem. So mutual funds, the returns can be great, but the fees are so bad. Then what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. So, and imagine this, imagine you sell a home and the customer doesn't read the fine print. They don't get it. And then the house is worth a million dollars. And then when you sell it, you go, my commission's half a million. How happy would your customers be? Yeah. Not very happy. No, no. So, okay. So we have starting with where you're at, understanding what your goal is. Then you do an analysis of the debt load. Then you do an analysis of the investment strategy. If if there is any investments, any assets, things like that. This seems like a pretty good blueprint. Uh, is it fair to say that this is a similar blueprint you'd use for the the struggling agent or even the wealthy one? Like it's it's pretty much a consistent All program? Them, right? Yeah, and some of them are sitting with equity in their property, not doing the right stuff with the equity in their property, right? Like right. number one is they don't even realize they have equity in the property, they can do anything. And, yeah. you know, and again, there's no one size that fits all, right? Because, yeah. and as I said, where are you in your life, you know? Uh, like, but the equity in your property, you can buy investment properties. You can yeah. invest in private first and second more. We do a second, a whole section on first and second mortgages, private first and second mortgages in your in the program. Nobody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, would you agree that the and every real estate agent listening right now, would you agree that mortgage stress test first of all was an absolute mistake in my eye, eyes? Yeah. Right. Number one is that. Number two is is it has it become harder to buy a home? There's no Absolutely. question about. Absolutely. So while everybody's complaining, guess what? Guess what opportunity you've just opened up, though. Mm -hmm. I, I'm out of money lending. I'm Private out of lending. Money. Yeah. I'm out of money. Most people don't get how to do it. I remember at Dominion Lending Centers for years. I'm like, oh, I, I even like I didn't understand it, so I I criticized it. Yeah. Like, I think that's natural human behavior to do that. Yeah. But then I got curious. I'm like, there must be making money. What am I missing here? And I looked into it and I interviewed people who had been around and this, all the work that I did go out meeting all these mortgage brokers who've been around for 20 years, not the last 10 years when everything's been great. I want people mm -hmm. like who were around when the markets collapsed in 1989, mm -hmm. who were doing private mortgages. And you just realize there's a formula that's very consistent and how to make this a fairly safe investment because mortgage investing is fairly safe in Canada. Mm -hmm. We have the lowest in the world mm -hmm. when it comes to mortgage. Um, but there's this whole business market that exists that nobody knows about. And, and and even worse, they criticize it. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's interesting. It's a perfect uh, example of when a door closes, another opens, right? So conventional lending becomes harder to obtain. All of a sudden, that creates secondary mortgage markets. Oh, it's and nobody gets it. Like it's an unbelievable business that nobody knows about. Like very, very few. And then I swear on anything. So we'll have a room full of four hundred people, like we did in Toronto, right? I go, how mm -hmm. many people are doing it? Maybe ten hands go up. Yeah. I go, do you guys like it? And the biggest grins on their face. They're like, yeah. I'm like, because the returns are stupid. <laughs> yeah. The returns are stupid. And even better, you're actually helping customers. You're helping yeah. customers. My first second mortgage I did, I charged 15%. I left lend 50000 bucks, so I made 7500 And guess what? That customer was self-employed, hid his income, didn't show well, – I don't, I don't want to say hid, but definitely <laughs> didn't show his income, right? So it couldn't get approved through traditional lending. TD Canada uh, – sorry, wasn't uh, a lender. Yeah. Okay. Was going to uh, to break it because he had a five-year fixed mortgage. We're going to charge him twenty-seven thousand dollars to break the mortgage. Yeah. Right. Because he have five So I charged him fifteen percent. So I saved him twenty thousand dollars. Wow. I made fifteen percent. Everybody wins. Wow. Right. A lot of a lot of stuff, and we're barely even scraping the surface here. So on uh, January twenty-fourth, 
your team member, Arian's coming out. He's doing a session with me uh, from nine till noon. Uh, we're, we're covering the eight factors to master your personal finances as a realtor. We're covering the five questions you need to ask your financial advisor. Uh, also, exactly how to read financial statements, which is something I'm very interested to learn more about. The classic, should you buy a new car, lease, or buy used? Um we're covering the strategies to leverage your home and buy an investment property. I'm also going to be pumped to learn more about that and the differences between the rich and the wealthy. Um, is there anything that you'd want to say to someone who's maybe on the fence about whether or not they want to come out to that? And 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 I don't want to read into the stigma stuff too much, but I, as I say, I, I've chatted with a few people and they're like, you know what? That sounds like great content. Can you send me the video? You know, when it's done, it's like, no, no, I want you there. I want you to participate. So like, What's your call to action if someone's feeling a little, um, I don't want to say embarrassed, but maybe they're embarrassed or maybe they're just private and don't want to you know, talk about finances. Like, what do you say to that? Yeah, well, the, the one thing, first of all, you're not forced to talk or say anything. You just listen, right? Like that's, that's really the point of it. Listen to him and talk and do his presentation. But here's what I'll tell you. The reason why we go to work every day is so that one day we have the option not to go to work every day. Like that, yeah. that's really one of the main reasons why I'm not saying you will retire, but at least the option to, right? Yeah. And Here's the thing is that there's not one person, including myself. I wish I saw this program 10 years ago. It would have yeah. saved me money, right? I, 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 got, I had a bad advisor, right, that, that didn't know what they were doing, and I, I lost a lot of money because the fees were so high, right? And there's not one person, including you, and I, you even brought it up, that wouldn't wish they could go back and talk to themselves 10 years ago and give them some advice about money. Yeah. Well, imagine that's what this presentation is. Like, imagine going, wow, you know what? I, I'm glad I saw that. And it, it's there's no secret. Like Richard Robbins, right? Mm-hmm. His first event in Vancouver had 25 people. Now he has thousands or whatever the number yeah. is, right? There's no secret with ours. Our first few events had in the 20s or 30s, whatever the number was. Yeah. Now we're in the hundreds, and the reason, and we don't we, we don't strive to do thousands. It's never been our model. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm telling you is that you don't have to talk about it. Just listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just so you know, we offer a money back guarantee program on all our events. We've had one person ever ask for their money back ever. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the only reason why is that we are actually filming our event live and the, the mic guys, the, the camera guys were talking right behind them. And so he couldn't hear. And it was a valid reason, but uh, the program is so amazing. They're not all my ideas or Arian's ideas. This is going out and meeting a ton of people. Yeah. Well, no different rich, uh, and sharing it in a way that you'll understand yeah. And you know, if you're in debt right now, you need, I'll end with, as I was at a Remax conference, when I was in debt in my early twenties, I saw Brian Tracy speak. And mm. again, I was ready to listen about money. And he was at a Remax conference in Edmonton. Anyways, he asked these three questions and I never forgot. He said, in the last six months, how many books did you read to grow your wealth? And I was like, well, nothing. In the last year, how many courses did you go to, to increase your net worth? Well, nothing. And the last year, how much did you save for towards, towards retirement? And I was like, there, I go, there's the problem. Like, a, one plus one equals two. Yeah. Right? And so it's the same thing. Anybody listening right now, this is, this is like a perfect time to go to an event, the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Listen to what you have to say. If you don't like it, don't sign up. But Arian's sign-up rates are like 67%. Like, yeah. they're higher than ever we're mined with Rich. And and what I've loved about it, and just in the, the spirit of, of transparency, um, like so this event that we're putting on that I'm hosting in partnership with Enrich Academy and Arian, uh, this is a free event. It's gonna be packed with value. There's a ton of great stuff. And and of course at the towards the end of it, there is going to be uh, some discussion about an event you have coming up in Victoria in February, which is a paid ticketed event. Um yeah. which is gonna do a deeper dive. Is there anything you wanna say about the February paid event that uh you think would be useful to know now? 
yeah, so that's the one-day event. Number one, I think, which is really amazing. You know, one of my favorite two weeks ever traveling with Rich Robbins when I was there was traveling on the island. Yeah. And the island was always really, 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 really good to me. And mm-hmm. and I, it's my favorite place in Canada to go, like hands down, zero, zero doubt. Uh, and so I want as a company, we decided we wanted to do something right on the island for you guys. And mm-hmm. the challenge is most events – you got to go to the mainland, you know, yeah. whether they're concerts, whether they're events, whatever they are. You got to go to the hockey, baseball, whatever. You got to go to the mainland. We wanted to do something right in Victoria because yeah. the island's really, really good to us. So think about this. You don't have to go on a ferry. You don't have to stay. Like, it's wake up in the morning. We provide you lunch. You know, we, we just wanted to be a first-class event. We don't want anybody leaving. It's a boot camp. I want to be clear. There's no high-five and there's nothing like that. I mean, it, like, we go through a ton of stuff that day. But regardless if you're paycheck to paycheck, falling behind, or if you're saving money and you just want a little more clarity, I'll tell you right now, if you're saving money right now but you don't really understand what your money is doing, you got to be at this event because I'll tell you right now, like, do not end up turning 65 or whatever, retire, whatever age you want to, and realize you're on the wrong path. We had a REMAX manager out of Mississauga. I won't mention her name. But she came to our program, and uh, she, her, her husband had passed away prior to that, and they had their money saved and for 15 years with this advisor, and her MERs were over three. And I told mm-hmm. you what those fees were, too. She didn't know. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know. And, mm-hmm. and she goes, I had no idea. She goes, I've been on the wrong path for 15 years. Yeah. And so we give something called a financial advisor interrogation kit at this program, <laughs> right? And so you can go out and interview four different advisors and find one. That, you should pay a financial advisor no different than you pay a real estate, like, and you should pay them decent. But anything, my my belief, anything over 1.2, you're never going to get ahead. Mm. Never. Mm-hmm. 1.2 far. But we're going to teach you how to do all that at this event. And just remember, there's nothing like this in Canada. Uh, remember, this is why the CFL, this is why all these large corporations, TransUnion, uh, I can, you know, that other large sports athlete, all the police associations, all the college, all the, they're doing this because they're like, uh, even provincial governments are now looking at putting our program into their to their program. Uh, to their well, and, and as, as I was saying earlier, um, this is very much top of mind and, and timely for me. And, and what's interesting is, is the ripple effect that it's had on, on my own life. Um, you know, I often talk, people will have financial targets. They'll say, I want to make $200,000. And you go, okay, why? And usually it's blank stare, right? Like there's no real reason why we set targets more, more often than not. And so I, I think it was Tony Robbins who talked about putting heart and soul into the goal. Like if you don't know what every dollar means in that $200,000 target, it's the wrong target. And so by us going through a budgeting process uh, at home, by understanding where we want to be, you know, my girlfriend is graduating this year from university. We've got student debt to pay off, but we've got a plan to pay it off. And like, it's exciting. And all of a sudden it gives me more purpose in my day-to-day business because I know exactly where every dollar is going to go and it's motivating. So I actually think I'm going to be more effective in my business, even though I haven't made my business the focus for the year, I've made finances the focus. So it's interesting how the leverage happens when you start having a plan. It's the most amazing thing in the world. And I'll tell you right now, the challenge, what any real estate listening right now, your net worth does not equate, is not a reflection of your income that you earn on a year basis. And you have to get that out of your head. You have to get that out of your head. Your net worth is not a reflection of what you make on a year to year basis. It's what you do with what you make. That's, it is one of the biggest mountains to climb like mental you know yeah what word i'm looking for right yeah it's one of the biggest challenges is, is realize it's not what you make it's what you do with what you make and so come to the event if you don't like it my gosh it's, it's one day for the rest of your life like and i'll yeah. tell you right now my high school dropout and was able to retire by 39 and you know if, if you want to know how to do that show up to the program because you know people say learn from your mistakes that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> learn from somebody 
Like learn, yeah. there's so much, like come to our, that's why you go to Rich Robbins events, right? You can learn from your mistakes or learn from somebody else's. So learn from our mistakes, all the mistakes we made money-wise and all the people that we talk about. And uh, mm-hmm. we actually have a guy coming out to the program, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, we just hired him on. This is the caliber of people we brought on. Uh, we don't have a political agenda, just to be clear. Uh, but uh, if you remember Jim Flaherty, our finance mm-hmm. minister, mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, we just brought him on board. He's an old friend of mine. Uh, anyways, uh, he was chief of staff for Flaherty for five years in Ottawa, and he actually uh, was the architect behind the tax-free savings account. Yeah. And so it was supposed to call the Lisa. He's got a really good story. He's coming out. He's speaking at the program. Cool. These are the caliber of people that you get to see at our events. It's, it's just it's over the top. So we'd love to love. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah, and I'm gonna be there. I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna make sure I have uh, lots of paper to write on. Um, okay, couple quick questions. We're gonna wrap up. Uh, best piece of financial advice you've ever received. Best piece of financial advice I've ever received is, uh, you know, that's a good one. Best piece of financial advice. Well, there's, I would say there's two, if I'm I'm allowed to do two. You're allowed to do two. Uh, We make the rules here. From a sale. Thank you. Uh, From a sales standpoint, Richard Robbins teaching me uh, money in the bank is one of the best assets you can ever have as a salesperson. That's number one. And number two, it's not what you make, it's what you do with what you make. It, yeah. it, that has to be the beacon of everything. It, it really is. Yeah, it, it's it's um, it's so cliche, and yet it's the most powerful thing, right? And so it's hard to take something that you hear um, repeated so many times so seriously, but we're always looking for that new idea. But the, really, it's just spend less than you make and do something with the money left over. And use every available, your home equity line of credit, your TFSAs, RSPs, make sure they're all functioning at a very, very high level. Like you look at the markets right now, yeah. the markets are very, very, like look at Royal Banks trading at night. Again, I'm not an advisor, so I'm not saying go buy this stuff, right? But you take a look at it. The next, I think the next year is going to be really interesting, right? Yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really good buyer's market. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. And the last thing I wanted to ask you here is because uh, one of your eight factors to mastering your personal finances is the power of self-education. You talk about book recommendations. What well, I'm curious, what's the, the classic best financial book and, and what's maybe one that you've read, read in re- recent history that's really piqued your interest? You know what? Uh, so self-education absolutely is critical, right? My favorite type of self-education is always being around other people who've done it and learning that way. But from a book standpoint, you got to go with the classics like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's just a phenomenal book. The, the Tony Robbins book, Man, Money Mastery, is probably the best book ever written on money in my eyes. I, I think that it's just phenomenal. You'll see a lot of... Uh, you know, similarities between our program and that program. I think it's yeah. great. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, and the Automatic Millionaire. That that was actually the book that got me out of debt, you know, when I was younger, right? Just yeah. systemizing bank accounts so that the money just got transferred automatically from one account to another, right? So Yeah, and I, I don't know if you've read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, but I'm about halfway through it right now, and I'm actually really enjoying it. It's a really, really good book. If, if memory serves me right, it's a purple book with a yellow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a recent Kindle convert, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because so, because I can buy twice as many books now for the same price. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. That's, <laughs> that's awesome, that's man. Awesome. Those, I, those would be my favorites for sure. So That's great. That's great. And uh, I, I did say I, I was out of questions, but I do have one more because you talked about this 70-10-10-10 rule being um, a little bit flawed. And I heard earlier you mentioned your own ratio. I'm just curious, what what does that look like for you? From a standpoint of what I save? Yeah, like when, when you, because they said 70, 10, 10, 10 was what I heard on that Buffini podcast about living off of 70%, um, investing 10%, saving 10%, and tithing 10%. You, t- you pointed out quite clearly, obviously, taxes, but do you guys have a, a certain formula that you like 
throwing yeah, out I, there? I, I set a very, very specific target goal in my life. So I, I'm at 30% save ratio, right? Like it's just, uh, you know, it's it, it'll probably be higher this year. Wow. I Again, I'm a, when it comes to I'm a, I like going on trips and vacations. That's my my one. I'm in L.A. right now, right, with my yeah. family, which is really, really cool. Uh, but that's my only thing I have really I gush out expenses on. Otherwise, yeah. I'm pretty low tone, nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm a 30 percent save ratio rate. Uh, donate 10 percent. Uh, and but I don't again, uh, a lot of the stuff I donate to are not things that you get charitable receipts to. Sure. Uh, don't talk about it. Just. Yeah. Enough, right respect help what uh, you know what i mean help yeah, families yeah. need help and stuff like that in the neighborhood totally. uh, but uh, that there's that and uh and the rest is uh spend on on the lifestyle that we've got right so yeah that's awesome okay well i appreciate you uh shining some light on that and thanks for taking the call when you're in la with your family that's awesome i really appreciate it oh listen i'll tell you right now i've heard nothing but spectacular things about you it's so awesome. cool to see someone like yourself taking the reins, leading by example. I'm so jacked to meet you. Uh, uh, face, I can't thank you enough for supporting us. And, you know, this is you giving me, you giving me your time. I can't thank you enough for making this happen. Man, so I, thank you. I appreciate it, Kevin. I, uh, quite honestly, am just a product of all the mentors I've had. So thanks for being one of them. Okay, well, rock the show, man. We won't disappoint any okay. of your agents listening. Trust me, I, I, we built this. I've worked with you guys for eight years. You're going to love it, man. Awesome. Just give it a shot and we'll go from there. Thanks, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Talk to you. See you in a month. See you, man. Bye.